and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I'm your host, Scott Brady, and I am here with my illustrious co-host, Matt Scott. Hello. Your last days as a single man. My, my last my last actual bit of work as a single person. <laughs> I've made it quite clear I am shutting off for the next three weeks. I'm focusing on Laura. Yes. Which is um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 been funny. You know, we, we've that. started this business that. together and we need time away from it to grow it and yeah, grow our sure. relationship. So, so after this podcast, you're done until you step back off the plane from Africa. I, I am not working until the 13th. Oh, I that's have, amazing. Very clear. I am incredibly, incredibly excited. <laughs> well, not so. only am I grateful that you're here, obviously the listeners are going to be thankful that you're here as well. Cause we have a very fun, awesome thing podcast to, yeah, to discuss today, which is the 2021 Ford Bronco. And now for a quick break from one of our supporters, let's take a minute to recognize one of the godfathers of overlanding and onboard power and off-grid towing. The folks at Red Arc build the toughest, most versatile power management electronics known to man. And right now, Red Arc is sponsoring a $20,000 vehicle upgrade and expense-paid adventure. It's the Red Arc Power Your Wild Sweepstakes, and it's easy to enter. Visit redarkelectronics.com slash poweryourwild. Sign up and power your odds by visiting Red Arc's Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages. Outback tested, outback tough. So get to it and power your wild with Red Arc. Uh, which is uh, beautiful looking. Yeah. I mean, it, one, it, one of the best exterior designs. Yeah. I, I think that we will see in that modern internal combustion era I continually refer to. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of test vehicles and I have never once had one that caused quite the pandemonium. I have never had somebody in my family ask for a ride in a press car before. Yeah. Um, wait, yeah, pretty much. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Like a little fanfare around it, you know, it, big time. I mean, you try to go to the grocery store and you get out and there's people taking pictures yeah, and like, crawling around. I would love to say that women are flocking towards me for driving <laughs> a Ford Bronco. Mainly it's men in cargo shorts. <laughs> um, uh, you know, they'll have, they'll have uh, various patches affixed to them, yeah. to their bodies. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, male genitalia attracting magnet <laughs> is the way I would maybe describe the Ford Bronco. I get a lot of thumbs up from dudes. Yeah. Um, but it seems like, it seems like it's also going to be very popular with everyone. Oh, I think just like a rank, just like a Wrangler yeah. is, I think it's going to be really well, it's popular. It's got a cute face, right? It, it like does. It, it, it kind of transcends gender. Totally. I mean, it's a, it's a classic looking, yeah, you it's, know, it's the it's, modern classic, right? It's really good looking. I mean, there's little things that you can kind of nitpick on it, but overall, if you have exactly uh, two minutes, three minutes, yeah, it's a pretty good car. It's got some problems. The end. <laughs> Podcast is over. Podcast is over. <laughs> but it is it is totally different, right? Yeah. Which I think the Wrangler desperately needed competition. competition. Like this is where I'll give Jeep a lot of credit is that they never stopped taking it very serious. Um, there is, there's other vehicles in our segment like for example, the, the forerunner is a good example of that. Yeah. It's, it is a great vehicle, but that because they don't have competitive pressure, it is one of the best choices in the segment. They don't need it. To, just, in, but Toyotas are currently great because they don't break. Yeah. Well, and it's also, I mean, a forerunner is great off road and yeah. it's, it's this kind of classic interpretations, this swan song of like the, the one fifty platform land cruiser. And I, mean, I love five speed transmissions and <laughs> exactly. really outdated engines that get horrible gas mileage. Yeah. But they're simple and they run. They do. And 
But I, I like it when our industry has more competitive pressure, yeah. like we're seeing in the midsize truck well, you segment. Al- you already saw Jeep in in comparison or, or, or in retaliation or or, or yeah. response to the Sasquatch package. You can now get 456 gears. Yep. Uh, I, I want to say they're calling it a one and a half inch lift and 35 inch tires on a on a Wrangler. What is it? The Recon? Is that what Extreme it is? Recon package? Extreme Recon. Yeah. yeah. And that's cool. good, but right. So that yeah. I think that anytime we see this kind of competitive pressure, we're also going to most likely see some response from Land Rover with the Defender. We're going to see them coming out with packages for the Defender that are going to be more off-road capable. Yeah. Because I would say that even more so than the Wrangler, that the Bronco is a, a price shopping or a competitive shopping decision for a Defender. So, uh, which isn't, you know, that's not a coincidence because Kinda. I, I, it, it's somewhere in that, in that spectrum. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the things that the defender does is that does so well is that at the lower end of its price range, um, it still feels like a quality land river product. True. You're maybe not getting Windsor leather as you would in the X. Mm. Um, but on the S E I believe it is. That's yeah. the lowest one. It could be whatever the base model, whatever is, the base great, model is great on the, you inside. get like some interesting fabrics. Yep. Um, they do that really cool green yeah, love uh, it. Uh, textile to it. Um, you know, you're still kind of getting a lot of the same functionality and quality that you are. And you still get the airbag suspension system, which is super comfortable. Yeah. So yeah. I like the fact that Wrangler now has this pressure in the space. And Jeep has responded. If you look at in the last year, they have revised their payload capacities. So mm-hmm. we've always been a little bit critical of the Wrangler for having basically a thousand pound payload. And now if you spec out a Rubicon and you look at the specs, 1300 pound payload. Yeah. So that's a big improvement. It gives you a lot more latitude. Um, but then when we look at the Bronco, the Bronco's got a thousand pound payload. So it matches the old, the old Wrangler. So Jeep is definitely staying ahead of the game with the recon package and everything else. And it is certainly, I believe, common and important to compare the Bronco against the Wrangler. And we'll do that at the end of the podcast. But uh, you drove it. And I drove it. Yeah, we had a we had a press car yeah, for a couple of weeks. We kind of had it on and off. Yep. Um, you drove it more in technical off-road. Yep. I daily drove it for a bit. I did some dirt road stuff. Yeah, it's, it's cool. I, I think that if I could, in a couple of sentences, describe the Bronco, it is, it, it, it falls victim to that expectation reality thing. Mm. The exterior design is great. The interior design is great. I think the execution on the materials um, that they've chosen in the vehicle, like the steering wheel looks like it came from a Ford Fiesta. The switch gear looks like it came from a Ford Fiesta. I, I kind of feel bad, but it one in, in one of my little Instagram things, I kind of like scratched the dash and I don't like have monster fingernails or anything. It, it actually scratched it. Like the, the, the materials that they have chosen are just really cheap. Mm. Um, that's not to be mistaken with being utilitarian. There's a difference between being utilitarian and being cheap because we have the hottest new product and we can get away with it. And that's right. kind of what certain aspects of the vehicle, uh, you know, made me think I've, I've owned a lot of Fords. Please don't mistake me for being like a Ford hater. I had a brand new 2016 Super Duty King Ranch. I had a 2018 Raptor that was brand new. I've got an Earth Roamer that's on a F550. I'm not anti-Ford. You know, for example, you could you could get a 3.5 EcoBoost King Ranch F150 for the same sticker that this Bronco is. And I can't help but think 
that because there is more competition in that segment, Ford was willing to spend more money. I think it was an economic decision. Um, like you had some great designers. I know that they worked with a lot of fantastic folks in the off-road industry, particularly in the Baja side of things. They gave them a lot of great feedback. And then like a bean counter in you know Detroit was like, you know, no, we have to use the cheapest materials possible because we've got a cash cow in our hands. Right. Um, just my opinion. Like when you, when you open the door, like it feels like the door flexes and like the, you know, the, the window vibrates and, and, and rattles and then the door panel moves. Um, that concerns me because like every Ford I've owned rattles after some off-road use. Right. Um, Wrangler doesn't. Forerunner doesn't. I mean, Defender probably does. At first, <laughs> sorry. At first, I I thought, well, maybe they need to make the doors really lightweight because you can remove them. Yeah, but I think you make a valid point. I think that they did do what they could to make them lightweight. It's like it's forty five pounds for the rear yeah. door, fifty five pounds for the front door, so that someone can lift them. You showed me like the example of that door handle, like the component the, of the, the door, door handles three different components, and like if you kind of like grab it from a weird angle you can like get your finger kind of caught in it and and it'll like pinch you it's just like three pieces of cheap molded plastic assembled together but but then here's the thing that frustrates me is like the f-150 which is realistically runs almost the same price range as this vehicle has like these wonderful rubber solid door handles so that's maybe what frustrates me is uh they know how to do interiors they have cars they have trucks that go off road that have massaging seats sure and and again it's not a matter of oh well i don't care about interior i'm taking it off road as some people you know have said to me it's like dude it's it's not that it's that the materials just are cheap you know if you put a dog in that car like like i could i I did not feel right bringing our Greyhound in that because I thought it would scratch that the crap out of the interior. Well, you make a good point. We, we, when we took it out with the video crew, which you guys will all listening, will be able to see our evaluation of the vehicle on YouTube about the time that this drops. When we, we just had a bag, like a duffel bag in the back yeah, and it, and it did wear on the surface of the back of the center console after just a few hours of use. You know, there's definitely experiences that I have that have, have validated what you're saying. And it's, it's too bad because like when I look at the interior, when I look at the interior, it's exactly what I would want it to look like. It's great. And like even the seat material feels like it's something that's going to be easy to clean, but it doesn't have that cheap vinyl feel to it. Have you tried wearing shorts in Arizona with whatever that material is made? (laughs) I have not seen the use case. I will tell you (laughs) that my rosé colored skin sticks to it in a painful manner. Um, it's like, um, something that, uh, they would use for like incontinent hospital patients. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like it's, it's not that it was a, it's like somebody from Detroit that's never actually been off road has gone and said, Oh, well, this is great. And it's real cheap and we could get a great deal on it and get yeah. this much sense back to our shareholders. But like they could have gone for like a nice cloth that was probably the same price. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I liked the look of it and it felt like it was a little more durable than like the dash, for example, yeah. but no, I didn't do the shorts because I most of the time don't wear shorts. Yeah, pretty I, rarely. I, I, I will tell you, Laura sat in it once and was like, Nope. Yeah. Does not breathe. Well, that's, that's a good point. But the, 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 
I'm saying these things because I want the vehicle to be good. Like right. the seat design, very comfortable, very nice. I like how it looks. Right. I like how the interior looks. I like the functionality of the interior. I, I like how everything is designed. They've clearly consulted with a lot of, you know, four wheel drive experts and professionals in, uh, and, and asking what they mm-hmm. wanted. And then an accountant got involved. Yeah. And we know how that always goes, right? But the, the driveline is fantastic. I mean, the driveline is class leading. Yeah, I really know? like that too. I love that 10 speed. I had that yeah. 10 speed in the Raptor. Flawless transmission. You can barely feel it shift. Right. It just, it, it is tuned to get to that peak, you know, torque output. This, this particular engine was the 2.7 liter EcoBoost. So that's, and I don't have this memorized, 330 horsepower on uh, presumably premium fuel and 415 pound feet of torque. If you use regular fuel, it is 315 and 410. That's amazing, right? I, I love the fact that Ford does this though, that if you, if you, the ECU is self-learning that if you are in Baja or wherever you are, like I've been down in Baja with the Raptor and you're in Bahia de Los Angeles and you get, 85. Yeah. It's like, do you want some gas or do you not want it? Yeah. The fact that it's not specifically just tuned for that. Just really, get the really Magna, cool. the eight, the, the, the <laughs> yeah. like 85. Magna. Yeah. There's no, uh, what do they call it? Prema. Prema yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no. So it, the transmission and the driveline combination, fantastic class leading, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not as like fast as I would have thought it was for a uh, premium engine option, but Ford kind of does that as they're like, Oh, you want your V8? Cool. Yeah. You want your hybrid? Cool. You want this or this or this that give a lot of options. Um, you know, it just, it keeps it in the power band and it just, it goes, it's got a real beefy mid range. And- yeah. And the transmission is, is also self-learning. And I found that anytime I, I like to try to drive a vehicle in manual mode just yeah. so that I can have some driver intervention, but I actually found that I didn't like with trans- that many gears. You're slower than the transmission. Yeah. You have to preemptively shift because yeah. it's fairly slow to shift in manual mode. I just found myself leaving it in. Yeah. In I mean, I think, mode. um, you know, there, there are twice as many gears Yeah, as a forerunner. Yeah. Um, there are, you know, the, I know that it has more gears than the Wrangler, which has the Z, the ZF eight HP. I'm not going to say that it's a better transmission than the eight HP. I mean, that eight HP is used in everything from a Jeep Wrangler, uh, to a Rolls Royce ghost, uh, to an Aston Martin, you know, DB 11. It is a great transmission, but for most people, this is, this is pretty good. And I'm, and I'm curious as we've talked about this idea of competition, what that will make Jeep do. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if the 10 speed is just so well suited to a turbocharged engine. I mean, it just, it seems like if you can keep it in the turbo boost by shifting more often, then you're just getting a lot better overall performance out of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was great. I thought that the chassis was fantastic. It has a really like quite unique rear suspension architecture with a, you know, kind of a trailing arm, quite a beefy trailing arm, which is why it's so good, high speed and dirt. And then it actually has kind of a, like a, a, it has a coil over. It does. So for the aftermarket, it's what people are going to be able to do on the aftermarket. Like I, I I was, I was talking to a good buddy of mine, um, I guess who will have to remain nameless in this. And, uh, one of his friends is working on the, the Ford, uh, a race team thing. And, and the performance they're getting out of this thing is, you know, beating their Bronco R. Wow. You know, whether or not that's marketing speak, I, I can't verify, but, but I can see it. Um, 
you know, to be able to, to lift the rear without really having to worry about as many different angles and control arms and track bars and, and all that kind of stuff. And the angle that those, con- that those coilovers are at definitely is going to allow for quite a bit of lift. Yeah. The, the front I thought was tuned just about perfect oh, yeah. for my needs. And that's where the real you see the real benefit over the Wrangler is the independent front suspension. I know heresy, 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 but like no, IFS, it's- IFS for most situations is better than a solid axle. I mean, as we were talking before this, does the Wrangler probably have more absolute capability than the Bronco? Yes. Is the Wrangler going to be maybe easier to modify and have less of a ceiling than an IFS system? Yes. But we're talking about a car that has front and rear lockers, 35 inch tires that's factory designed around that for IFS. So you're not talking about like, you know, wonky control arm angles on a forerunner to fit 33s. You're talking about proper OE level totally. suspension uh, angles and, and 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 handling on 35s, and it doesn't feel like it's on 35s. Nope, it drives great, and I think that they got away with the 35s because they built it into way the way that they designed the body. Yeah, it was designed so, around it exactly, so they can take a huge tire in those wheel wells. The, the rear suspension for me, so higher speed, dirt travel, probably driving it at 65 to 70 percent of what I would drive like at race speeds. And for, a, for this kind of class vehicle, it was, it was really excellent. There's a couple things that you have to manage. The, if you go into Baja mode, that helps a lot. It's very well tuned for that. The rear suspension, I'd love to see a little bit more compression travel. And I think that's going to be easily ad- addressed with the aftermarket. And then it, it's, it's fairly firm on compression. So with no, it's, no it, weight it's in there. pretty highly sprung. I think yeah. that translates into why you're not seeing much body roll. Right. But I think... The faster you're going and if you're getting into any kind of whoops or or, or, or stuff where you're going to be, you know, uh, using the length of the travel, I can see why they did that. But I feel it like works a, great in that regard. I feel like if you did a five to eight percent softer rate, it would fix all the problems that I, I think so. That's my that's my spring feeling. Rate. I'd like to see slightly softer spring rate, no change in compression damping. I like the rebound that it's got lots of control, very little porpoising. And then if I could see even, even 15 millimeters of more height in the rear of more or more spring length in the yeah. rear, that would really help. But I mean, I was driving it fast through this wash and you know, where we had posted sentries and everything else like that. And these are big events and this truck just soaked it up. It's, it's really good. And then, and then when you're, of course, when the car starts to, starts to rotate on you and that turbo comes on, then things get really lively, but they actually did a great job of, of being, of tuning it, the, the vehicle stability control enough that it, it kind of knows when it's going to come onto the pipe like that. It does a pretty good job of not letting well, you over. Well, there's also, it, so. you know, there's going to be the warthog or whatever they're calling it. That's the Raptor version. There's already been some, you know, some spy photos that have kind of leaked out or yeah. people have seen it in the wild. What Ford is presenting on this chassis, I do not feel is the capability of the chassis. And that's, mm. what's really exciting to me. Oh, it's know, got and, so and, much, so much more. I mean, this is a stock vehicle and it is so good. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing for everybody that's listening to take away is unless it's super important that you've got 40 inch tires on your Wrangler. I mean, for this, for a travel vehicle, it is incredibly capable out of the box. I don't know that I would change any, even, even the tires are great. I don't know that I would change 
anything out of this vehicle other than, again, maybe like a 15 millimeter longer spring in the You know, that's one thing I would change. It would be a top that didn't give me a headache at 45 mile an hour from whistling, but... Well, you know, so they're, they're recalling all of them. And I think that that, you know, they're, they're, they're doing recalls on vehicles that haven't even been delivered. Right. They've had to push things back. And I think that that even goes to say that maybe they're realizing they pushed the cheap envelope a little bit too much, but didn't, now we got a great Wabasto, Isn't Wabasto making the top? Yeah, but of course you're going to throw the supplier under the bus. Yeah, maybe. That supplier just made that to the design and the, they were handed a CAD file Yeah, by the, you know, by, by Ford design or Ford engineering or, or, or whatever it is. You know, I, I could hear the argument of quality control issues. If you looked at ours, there's one side that kind of sat about a half an inch totally, over. Totally. And, but the, I, and there's big waves in it where it's mounted. But, but sitting down with like a, well, an aerospace engineer that I cannot hope to remember. He's like, Oh, well, yeah, it's making this noise because of this and this and this and this and this because of how it was designed. This is a guy that designed the Apache helicopter. I'm going to say he knows what he's talking about a little bit, you know, so maybe that's where it bit him. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and call myself out, which I, which I think it is important to say, I know that I'm, I'm complaining about the interior. Um, and I'm complaining about kind of fit and finish of, of certain things. This one is a very early production vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there have been Broncos that have been delivered already to customers. So I don't know how valid that is, but we did get an amazing chassis. So, yeah, you know, maybe Ford put, put the money into different things. You know, if somebody was going to say to me, Hey, let's get a, let's get a, a totally baller chassis that has all this capability, but to do that, we're going to have to have a Ford Fiesta. We're going to have to have a $14,000 car interior on a, $58,000 test vehicle, you know, like uh, I'd consider it. Yeah. And that may be the result. I, like we were talking about before we hit the record button, I think that I'm in this particular case with this vehicle, I'm actually having a little bit of difficulty overcoming my mm. positive bias towards it. Yeah. So I'm viewing the vehicle. Don't worry. All of Instagram's in the same boat. Yeah. I'm, I'm viewing the vehicle with these rose colored glasses because the functional performance yeah. of it, the actual functionality of it on the trail, on the dirt, uh, as a travel no vehicle, no complaints I, I've been so impressed by it. And it's also, it looks so charming that it's like literally it's won me over because oh, it looks great. It's so, it's so it charming, great. but it's real. That's why it's so great that you and I have the chance to kind of riff on these things because you may be in the same boat with a different vehicle. And I'm like, well, what about, yeah, and, yeah. and that's really, it's really important because after you shared all that with me, I sat down in the car this morning. Uh, before they went and picked it up. And I'm like, yeah, look at that. I mean, the, the dash, you could definitely tell it needs, it needs to have less of a, of a scratchable surface on the dash and it needs to have like, or maybe a harder finish. Um, and then there's lots of little touch points that are beyond this functionality that I find so useful that you're right are definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I was just at, I was at Monterey car week, uh, and chatting with a few other journos that, that have had access to the vehicle. And it's kind of, it's, it's kind of seems to be a similar, a similar thing. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves how it looks. Damn, that interior is cheap. Yeah. You know, but Hey, this is, this is a new vehicle. You know, this, this is the second greatest Bronco they've ever made. (laughs) There's the first one that was amazing. Amazing. And then they messed up every successive one. And then this one's number two and yeah. the, but this one has potential to be 
No, it, it doesn't have potential to be number one. You, you can't overtake the heritage of like it's a, that's difficult, but in so many ways, I mean, it is a better vehicle. It is just like we talk about an LJ and a JK compared to any previous Wrangler. Yeah. It's so much better. It doesn't mean that a you know a long wheelbase TJ isn't awesome because it is awesome. It's just the new ones are really good. Yeah. I, I was talking to my soon to be father in law Ron, and he compared the interior to his 2007 JK. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, yeah, you know, it was, it was about kind of that quality of, of finish, but to, to his point, he paid, he said it was a Sahara and he paid $22,000 for it at the time. Right. So it's like you kind of hook line and sinker people on the internet and you're like, Oh my God, I have to have it. And they're going to look by it. And I wonder, I wonder if, if it really even matters, they, aren't they sold out for, yeah, yeah like they're, they're, they're sold two, out two years of the vehicle. It seems so like, why not make, you know, yeah. they just, I guess that uh, that's where I go back to the accounting decision, right? You know, it, it's not something that I think the designers did. And I've, I've chatted with other designers, you know, at car week, uh, and, and just friends of mine during this, it's like, yeah, it looks great, but not the finest hour of execution was yeah. kind of the, the thing. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think one of the interesting things is, is, is the hype of this vehicle on the internet. Yeah. No one has had a measured response to it. Yeah. Like if you're on that, the, the Insta sphere of things, everyone was all about it. Yeah. And I have a theory. Okay. I have a theory. You know, I, I chat with a lot of people. I know, and I'm not kidding, at least 10 people that were told, like people with a voice, that they were in contention for running, in the running, to get a Bronco. Mm. Of course, they're going to say great things. You know, they, they dangled the carrot in front of all these guys. Of those people, I don't know. I guess I know one that did, but he always was going to because he was kind of media and, and, right. and had a legit audience. But like almost everybody I knew that was like relatively popular in a Jeep or a, t- or a Tacoma or whatever. And all these people were posting about it left and right. They didn't shut up about the thing. It's the greatest. It's this. Oh, my God. It's so much better than a Wrangler. It's so much this. And then you ask him, have you seen one? Have you driven one? Right. Like, have you seen, have you had access to anything that Ford hasn't produced? You know, and not, not trying to toot the editorial horn, but that's the difference between an influencer. Yeah. Right. Who gets, who gets paid for their audience. Right. And editorial who gets paid for their ethics. That's right. And now that you're starting to see journalists get these vehicles, um, I think, you know, for me, you're starting to see consistent responses. I said, great truck, maybe not as good as some people have been saying. Sure. That that's kind of an interesting tactic is, is there, that's a great way to, uh, yeah, they hedged, they hedged yeah. during the time that it mattered most yeah. by getting the influencers all On thinking about, thinking about the possibility I could of get getting this. Yeah. Oh my sure. God. Yeah. Right. I could get out of my Tacoma. People will do anything to do that. <laughs> so um, and that's, and that's why we love having this podcast. Cause we can say whatever we want. Yeah. Because thanks to you listeners, uh, that's how we get paid is because of our readers and listeners, not because of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because of some, some OEM that's paying us to say something. Exactly. So let's, let's talk about some of the great things. Love that there's a manual transmission. Love that there's a seven speed manual transmission. Love that it's a Getrag. They make fantastic boxes. Well, Coolest let, thing is that crawler gear. 6.58. Yeah. That's insane. Um, you know, so it's, so it's a seven speed, but it's really a six speed. It's a six speed totally with, fine with, with like that. your, with like your granddad's granny low. It's yeah. got like a granny low first gear in a six speed manual transmission. Yeah. So I hope, I hope that people buy them so that they don't stop putting them in the vehicle because like if I was to get a Bronco, I would definitely want the manual. Oh yeah. Hell no. I'd want the 10 speed. I know, but I would want the manual yeah. just because 
it, it just Maddie likes to go fast. I know. <laughs> yeah. And it's just that it's just, again, that charm of 50% of 9-11 buyers have opted for a manual transmission. And I think that that's cool. It's the highest take rate of a oh, manual transmission in a modern vehicle, enthusiast vehicle. That's really I surprising. In, in England, like the Vauxhall Astra or something probably is still manual. But but that's really, that's actually very interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Actually, what, specifically, that's GT3. Okay. But I wonder what the second highest vehicle would be in that same idea. We should do a podcast just on, you know what, if I was to make a guess, Toyota GT 86. Okay. Could be, that would be it. I yeah, think. could be, yeah, but, be the right buyer and everything. For yeah. That. Um, or well, actually I guess it would be STX. It's not available. Right. In auto. The advanced four by four package gets you a 3.06 low range. When you have a seven speed with that crawl gear, that's a 9.75 to one crawl ratio. That is until Jeep released this yeah. extreme recon package that was class leading. Yep. Um, yeah. 95 to one. Can you ever argue range. that it was class leading because you can now buy an extreme recon package and you can't actually get a Bronco. I don't know how you'd say that. Right. Yeah, I don't you know. know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, totally. Um, it's funny. They were able to respond faster than get this into production. Um, it's got a Dana 44 Advantech M220 rear axle or axle geeks. That's the same thing that's in a Gladiator or a, a JL, um, which is cool. One thing that's important to talk about on those axles is the differential locks. So there's a couple things about this vehicle that I found in the trail that were really interesting. So the sway bar disconnect, I don't know what the technology is. But it's, I think it's electromechanical. Magic. Yeah, it's it's got fairy dust. It's like some kind of a magnet, electromagnetic sway bar disconnect. So it's not geared like a like a Rubicon. Rubicon, Yeah. So you can be under full like compression tension. So the it, it can be crossed up under full load, and you push the sway bar disconnect, and it immediately relaxes the suspension. And, and then, they also and have then that you can one pu- option where it like push it forces articulation. It sure feels like it does that. So it maybe maybe it's maybe it's hydraulic, like a KDSS on Toyota. I don't know what the technology is. It's magic. Um, yeah, exactly. It is. It does feel like magic because you can be on the trail and just realize, like, oh, I'm I'm in a position where I I need to have the the sway bar disconnected, and you can push it at any point, and it doesn't need to get unbound in order yeah. to release. And then you can push it again, and the next time that the vehicle's level, it is back to connected, and it probably is something where it is a, a counter forcing it because I found that head toss in this vehicle is half of what it is in a Wrangler. Yeah. So it's probably some kind of control or hydraulic control that allows. I have like this permanent bruise about right here on a Wrangler. Cause yeah. I'm kind of like tall enough that I hit the Wham. sound bar <laughs> yeah, all totally. the time. Yeah. No, I mean, a Wrangler has, again, more articulation, no question, but the the Bronco's got a 620 ramp travel index and much less head toss. So I do like that. Uh, the lockers will also engage and disengage at any point. So they don't need, if you're under driveline Benefit tension. Of an, of an air locker, but in a arguably more reliable electronic yeah. format. Yeah, exactly. That I really liked just for like giggle mode is the donut feature. Yeah. I, I don't know See, what they you call had it. a lot better experience with it than I did. Okay. But well, that's right. Cause you try to do it on like DG. Yeah. Decomposed granite for people that aren't from Arizona. It's like a uh, crappy sand, right? It's like sand, Gran- very granular sand. It's yeah. like sand that like you walk on, you're like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> See, I, so it kind of worked. It was you. a 50% reduction in turning radius right. from, you know, cause I kind of sat there like constant throttle, constant, you know, full, full lock, 
did it without, did it, did it with, and since it had recently rained, I could actually kind of see sure uh, 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 how it was working. It's really cool. Uh, it works better than, than the, the 200 series. Yes. Um, and I think that's because of tires. I think that the te- technology is probably similar, yeah. but the tires are so much better on the Bronco, but I had it down in a sand wash and it would rotate the vehicle around. That's awesome. In within the length of the wheelbase. So the kind of cone of sand that it would create was maybe two feet in diameter. So that rear tire would swing around in a two foot. So if you're incapable of doing a three point turn, yes, this is a wonderful feature for you. It's the new hill descent control for me. I know it is. I'm a curmudgeon. I know it's so, it's so funny. (laughs) It's so funny because there, there probably are practical applications for the use of this donut thing, but I found myself doing about 8,000 of them in this wash and giggling the entire time. I think the production crew is thoroughly exhausted with and tired of being swung around in circles, but it, Paula, were you you tired of Scott? Never. (laughs) She She says says never. never. Yeah. Uh She's being too kind. It's a nice thing about having nice people that work with you. There's 8,000 different packages. So I'm just going to try and get this right here. Lots of, specifications. Um, so there's the base, Big Bend, Black Diamond, Badlands in seven speed, a base, Big Bend, Outer Banks, Black Diamond, Badlands, Wild Track, first edition, Sasquatch, package equipped, base, Big Bend. There's a lot of different things. And I mean, you know, give give the people what they want. Which is nice. And then there's packages, I believe, within the packages. Yes. Um, like we had a Badlands Sasquatch. And I don't know what the difference I think is it between was. those two. I know it was a Sasquatch. It looked like that. It, it had like that cool, like that color that came out on like the 10th anniversary of Rubicon. Area 51 is what Area call 51, it. yeah. yeah. Um, super cool color. Great color. I like the, I, they're probably totally non-functional other than if you wanted limb risers, which are usually non-functional, but they had these brackets on the leading edge of yeah. the hood that I loved from a practical perspective, those brackets line up perfectly with the center of the tire. So if you're looking, oh, if you're wondering okay. where your tire is yeah. going to end up, you can look and see those limb riser brackets or whatever you, people are going to probably use them to, to hang high lifts on the front of their vehicle, which is going to be ridiculous, but high lifts uh, that they don't know how to use, won't <laughs> yeah. ever use. Well, or you have to remove it every time to get your, into your hood. Right. <laughs> or, or it's like when you see them mounted to the front of Jeeps, it's like, then the people, they can't lift their hood up because it's too heavy. And yeah. like I have a high lift. I will never yeah. argue against the utility no, of one. Totally useful. So many different options. The so one thing that's really interesting and I, and I don't know if it's that people are, it's kind of the start of the go fast options is this wild track. And that is, that is uh three inches wider than the Badlands and four inches wider than the base vehicle. So are sure we didn't have that one? Maybe because it did. already had like the big, if, if I was to make any critique on the style, I understand functionally why they did it, but the fenders do look tacked on. Like to me, this particular Bronco was trying to echo the first generation Bronco, which was in its original form, relatively dainty, you know, like an uncut Bronco is to me perfection for that vehicle. And and what I mean by that is they had this, they had for visitors that are viewers, listeners, the people that are actually paying attention at this point, 39 minutes and 48 seconds in, you know, they they had that kind of, the tire was a little bit covered on the rear. It was. Difference to me between a Bronco and a Wrangler was always that one was a full body vehicle and one was a narrow body vehicle with fenders. We've kind of ended up with something maybe in the middle. And I think since they are using the 
body from that first generation Bronco, clearly as the inspiration because of the Bronco grill and the headlights and whatever, they look tacked on me. Mm. Um, I, I, I get why they did it. Otherwise you'd end up with something like, like real wide. Um, and this is going to be better off road. That would maybe be my only exterior styling complaint. Yeah, they are. They're very obvious. The fender flares, yeah. and and it would be it would be nice to see something that was a little bit better integrated, a little bit more body yeah. matched. Because it, because to me, whenever I saw a first gen Bronco that had fender flares on it, I was like, ah, oh, you ruined it. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. just like they, they put like bushwhacker fender flares on it. And I'm like, it was, yeah, it just was like wrong. you kind of it, it was like a, a defining design characteristic of that vehicle. And you've ruined it. Ruined. 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 <laughs> it's a great car. Yeah. There's some things that I would have done differently, yeah. but like I'm also I'm weird as hell. You know what I did like is the position of all the switches right oh, on top of the yeah. dash. Immediate. Boom, 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 boom. Immediate. And the the, the little the uh, little upfitter switches. Yep. Right on top. You know what I kept doing is I kept going like. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. could like kind of like, like I imagine like, like. I feel like you're in Top Gun and you're like. I imagine like Instagrammers are going to have like 87,000 LED lights and yeah. somebody's going to go. <laughs> And then like, you know, they're going to blind this elderly lady that's maybe doing like three mile an hour too slow for their taste. Yeah. And then they can go and they can turn them all off. I mean, I have buttons that I actually have to press in my, in my gladiator and that just sucks now. Yeah. You can't, (laughs) if you get into one of these things or you've driven a Ford, you know what I'm talking about is you can like, it's very satisfying. It's like all these successive buttons that you just go. And I love the fact we sent a minute on that. I know we did. And I love the fact that locker immediately, Mm. you know, obvious sway bar disconnect immediately obvious. You go into some of these goat modes with a rotary dial and it puts the vehicle in all the right configurations, which I think is great for new drivers. So if you go into rocks, it reminds you to go into neutral so that it can shift into low range. It disconnects the sway bar. It locks the rear differential automatically. So these are really thoughtful features. I like the fact that you can lock the rear diff in two-wheel drive. Very fun. Yep. Somebody actually was thinking there. Like totally listened thinking. to feedback on that. Yeah. Um, if you want your own version or the Scotty version of Baja mode, it is too high. Mm-hmm. Vehicle stability control off, which requires a long hold. Lock the rear diff. Very fun. You know, I didn't, I didn't go that deep. <laughs> I just fun. bombed it down some dirt roads where it was fantastic. <laughs> See, I really like the, the, the four, four a, the, the, the all wheel drive mode. I think that that's, yeah, well, that good. is something that uh, Jeep is starting to bring into certain models. You can get that on the Mojave. You can get that on the Sahara yep. for whatever reason. You can't get that on the, the Rubicon as somebody that grew up in Chicago with snow and stuff. Four wheel drives, not always great, right? Two wheel drives, always bad. So you're kind of like, do I want to like hop through the one dry intersection, right? Um, where that all wheel drive, especially modern all wheel drive, um, with all of those sensors, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, it, it's, it's hard for me from a empirical perspective to not call this vehicle class leading in a lot of ways. I think, I think that I'm still probably a Wrangler guy, not probably I'm still a Wrangler guy. I think the interiors are nicer. I think they've got a little bit more character to them, but I think this is going to be a better performer for how most people are going to use the vehicle. Well, let's do that. Let's, let's compare. Cause I don't, I don't have much else on my list here other than 
the fact that the payload is, it's just something that we do harp on in this show. Yeah. But you have a thousand pounds. But that's a thousand pounds with rock sliders, with yeah, 35 true. inch tires, with a front bumper, it's with true. a rear bumper. That's always been my argument yeah. for Gladiator and, and Wrangler Rubicon yep. when you see those figures. So you probably do have enough for winch, recovery gear, tools, 87 stairs. light bars. <laughs> They've got these like cool mounts on it, like on the, like the, the, the A pillar mounts, which is probably one of the worst places you could mount lights you know you can you can do that and you can you can put them on the roof so you can blind yourself um, and it doesn't actually need much for lights because no, it has it ha- great lights and side mirrors it has rock lights yeah. built into it and there's a couple switches right on like, the dash somebody put a lot of thought into totally. this yeah totally. um it's just you know maybe that's why the accountants had to get involved oh you want to have that little led light mount Okay. I'm going to trade you for the Fiesta center console. <laughs> yeah. That's probably, I, right. I also thought that the orientation of the buttons was backwards. That's because you're a Land Rover guy. That's the problem. Like on, on the, on the, on the, you know, I'm talking about on the, on the I windows. Do. I do. I kept, I kept rolling down the rear windows. I do because discovery twos yeah. and like the track that you drove yeah. is opposite from, is from the, is opposite from the Bronco. So this is the long-term effects of the Land Rover. Disease. It is. Whereas the buttons are the same on a D one. I have no idea why Land Rover switched them from discovery one to discovery two swap. Oh them. yeah, they did switch them. So the Bronco is the same as the D one. So it felt very normal to me, but it felt totally wrong to you because you drove a D two for so long. Yeah. So that's the problem. But I actually like the fact that they're right there. I drove a Land Rover and now it burns when I pee. Um, (laughs) No, it doesn't. No, it sticks with you. It sticks with you. There's certain things that (laughs) stick with you. Like this is the Land Rover way and it's really great. Lovely folks. So let's compare against the Wrangler. I think that that's worthwhile. I I, want to compare against the Forerunner. Oh, interesting. Because I think there's an argument. I I think there's an argument for both uh, uh, Bronco and Wrangler, and we should get into that. But what I can't find an argument for right now is why I would recommend somebody to buy a Forerunner over this. Well, the Forerunner, in my mind, it's a lot more quiet. It's a lot more comfortable and drivable in my mind. So... I would like to, I'd like to revisit the Bronco when they, when they fix the top. There's no reason that they can't fix it. You know, I mean, frankly, like the reason I didn't drive it off road as much as you did is I was getting a headache. Yeah. Driving it. Like you've got the hearing loss. I have hearing loss from the air force. So I didn't hear anything. I mean, Tina, our editor. 35. Heard it at 35 miles an hour. You heard it at 45 miles an hour. At 65 for me. It was unbearable, but then like also like, you know, there's, there's the people that have that iPhone ringtone. It's like, yeah, I hear it for like two hours. <laughs> um, you know, well, I think, and well, Paula, our producer is here and Hello. Paula, didn't you hear that as well? The whistling from the top or did you not hear that? But they're fixing it. They've admitted yeah, a problem. So I'm not going to well. harp on them terribly, but worst drive line. I mean, it, the forerunner is always going to be quieter. It's way quieter. It's a steel roof car. You're talking about an international Prado yeah. 150 chassis. So it's very durable. It's yeah. designed for the developing world still. It just happens to be available in the United States. It has the highest resale value. Mm-hmm. So if you're making a financial decision, the Forerunner is still super appropriate for that. 
lots of aftermarket support, a very upright yeah. driving position. The fact that you can get a locking rear differential, a track front. It's perfect is, for people who love to pay more for less. I don't, I don't know that I agree with that. I, and it's not because like conceptually yeah, you're yeah. wrong. It's just that like, like the, why, why do Toyotas maintain their value so freakishly well? Like, I mean, I had a forerunner. There's nothing wrong with it. Like I had it in 2015. It was like, and it's kinda, the same car as today. It's kind of like, Eh, back then. And now you have, you know, like I'll hear, I'll hear the argument of the Prado 150 chassis and international serviceability and yada, 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 yada. Um, but like, like the pictures I've seen of this thing doing, doing stuff like in prototype testing of friends that have sent me and, uh, I had them on the trail with very, very accomplished Baja racers beating the crap out of them. I don't know if the durability argument, I'll, I'll hear it on the engine because like this 2.7 liter engine, you know, Ford, for example, on their six, seven diesel, the low or the, the cold side intercooler yep. pipe that goes from the intercooler to the, I think to the, to intake. the, to yeah, the yeah. intake, correct. Made of plastic. Yeah. Poof. Because they get, up. well, cause it's natural and in, in anything, you're going to get some kind of oil residue that's transferring with the, with the oil, the oil breaks down the plastic heat cycles and it goes boom. Like this thing has a lot going on. It's got, you know, where that was a lot of 12 inch pipe or or 18 inches. This is like several feet. And then there's two of them and there's, there's lots of plastic, lots of plastic that the Bronco, lots of plastic, but it kind of makes the driveline of the Wrangler look a little minivan-y. Yeah. Except for the great transmission they chose. I think the Wrangler just does its job. Yeah. That's the thing about a Wrangler, right? And they've been doing it it, longer. It delivers exactly on what they promised and they keep refining the car and it feels a lot more refined. The, 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 the Bronco is like Justin Bieber's first hit. You're like, Oh, that's catchy, but there's a lot more potential. Yeah. Even if it's not your thing. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. But I think compared to the forerunner, it just, the forerunner has more payload, has 500 pounds more payload, okay. which can be a, a game changer. It more has, bars. it has more towing capacity, yeah. 5,000 pounds as opposed to 3,500 pound towing capacity. So there are, I think there are going to be reasons to buy mm-hmm. the forerunner. The forerunner currently is a better financial choice. We don't know how resale is going to work out on the Bronco. Probably very well, probably but, but in, in the right things, but, but it's an American car. You know, I, I will answer my own question as to why Toyotas hold their resale value so well. A, for example, 40, thousand dollar toyota is forty thousand dollars of the toyota dealer yep maybe if you've bought some cars from them they'll give you 500 bucks off a forty thousand dollar ford uh if you buy it on memorial day is thirty two thousand seven fifty. yeah you know if you buy it at you get the point they they deal on these things the the business model is much different you it, know it is in fact this is a great example of that when we go to buy a project vehicle for overland international for overland journal we always ask the oem if they have employee pricing yeah. we're not we're not looking for industry a, courtesy that's right a courtesy price and with Toyota and they were very apologetic. They're like, this is our employee pricing. It was $500 off. There are domestic manufacturers. We have gotten thousands and thousands and many, many, many thousands off the vehicle. And that's the same as any other employee for, for that OEM. There's a lot more margin 
yeah. from the dealer. Whereas on the Toyota, there's just not a lot. So you're, it's a very high quality vehicle. It has a reputation that has History. lasted, lasted yeah. the test of time. I think people gain a lot of confidence. I think that if you look at the complexity of the Bronco and all that plastic under the hood and you go off and you were going to go into the middle of nowhere with your two kids and you're driving a forerunner, you're going down to Baja, yeah. you just don't even think about it. You just, and that's one of the things that I so appreciated about Toyota driving them around the world is even when I was in the middle of nowhere in Antarctica and I was days from help, I was literally at what they call these points of inaccessibility. You cannot get help. They can maybe drop some things out of an airplane to you that I was so glad I was driving a Hilux. And I think that that is what, at the end of the day, when you talk about our audience, why they buy Toyotas is because of the confidence that the vehicle Mm. gives you. And that's worth a lot of money. And maybe it's worth a lot of compromises. I mean, we, we may get, we may dig on the Tacoma a little bit for justifiable reasons, but I think that people maybe at the end of the day, we want it to be better. We want it to be better. Right. But people at the end of the day, they're willing to compromise a lot to feel safe. Yeah. And we do that in all kinds of areas of our life. And I think that if you want a vehicle that's going to be better performing buy a Bronco over a forerunner, it performs much better. Yeah. And it looks, I mean, I like, I actually really like the way that a forerunner looks, but I would say that the Bronco is much more charming. Very squinty and angry though. (laughs) Yeah, they can. As long as they don't take the Lexus, the Lexus design. Yeah, that's design language. It's just like. But they're doing that. They're doing that with, by the time this comes out, the the new Tundra will be out for people to look at. It's very angry grill. They're doing that in the Toyotas as well. So then let, now let's compare it against the Wrangler. Yeah. So I would say, because I did drive the Bronco in very technical terrain, limits of capability terrain. So think rock crawling waterfalls, mm-hmm. huge holes where we were hitting rock sliders, hitting bumpers at the limits of the available ground clearance and traction. The tires are just so, so surprisingly good. Um, so I think that that's a real advantage. Those good years. I mean, you have them on your TRX, right? Yeah. I've hit 0.8 lateral G's with them. Like they boogie. Yeah, like, they do. They're great at high speed and they're actually really good in the rocks yeah. where they'll struggle a little bit is going to be in the mud. They're excellent tires. The fact that the sway bar disconnect works the way that it does and it manages the head toss, I think is an advantage over the Wrangler, but the Wrangler has more overall articulation yeah. out of the box. If you were to try to put a, a recon Wrangler against a Bronco, there's going to be the advantage going to the Bronco at speed obviously. And then there's going to be a very small advantage to the Wrangler at low speed. And that's because of a little bit more articulation. The body's tucked in a little bit further and the wheels are a little further out, you know, the approach departure angle. Yeah. And I'm not trying to pontificate here, but I don't think most people will or have the skill to take advantage of the additional capability that a Wrangler offers, where with the Bronco, you can realize more advantages in day-to-day use. No question. And it's easier to drive on the trail. It's actually more effective at performing well on the trail. Uh, The switch position is really good. The the modes are very intuitive. The vehicle is very confidence inspiring. On our test track, we have about a 26 degree side slope that we can put vehicles on. When you're in a Wrangler with the sway bar disconnected, it feels frightening. Mm -hmm. Like it, it feels very unstable. Whereas with this Bronco, I was giggling because it was so effortless. Our test track is designed to push the limits of stock vehicles. There has only been one vehicle that 
it was effortless before this. And that was the Wrangler. And the Bronco was just as effortless yeah. in that terrain. So we had to go find other obstacles to test it against. I think at the end of the day, the Wrangler is actually a more refined product. 100%. And it's it's the Filson bag to the REI bag. Yeah. You know, the, the Bronco. Or the Arc'teryx bag. I yeah, think it's got more zippers and it's got this and it's got this and this technical material and whatever. But I want the Filson bag. Yeah, the Wrangler, the Wrangler is no less of a product against the Bronco. It's really important to disclose that because especially if you're wanting if you're wanting to get to ultimate capability, you can modify a Wrangler much more than yeah. you can rod- modify the Bronco. If you like driving faster on dirt roads Bronco. and you or you love Baja, Bronco. Take the Bronco. And and if you're looking for something that's like retro styled, the Bronco's also great in that regard as well. And the motor's <laughs> the motor's really really nice, which is not to take something against you know off against the new wrangler the new I don't, wrangler. I don't think that the three six is a spectacular motor at all um i, I think that it's, it's ad- starting i think it's totally it's adequate, adequate yeah. and that's about it like yeah. it's kind of but what was their was- answer to that 392 so yeah. you can now get a v8 wrangler so i think jeep i mean jeep is going to protect this market oh yeah as much as they can and they are being very aggressive about well, it. And, and then i think the interesting thing is that you know bronco did really well with bringing um external experts as consultants in to advise them you know on their on this new product yeah jeep has those in-house they do. Although I would say as a cautionary tale yeah. is that, is that I think Jeep has, has started to alienate those kinds of people by becoming a little bit too closed off. And at the end of the day, you need to have fresh ideas. And yeah. I think that Bronco, the Bronco team has done a good job of well, bringing Broncos it. writing the checks to everybody. Broncos writing the checks to the trophy truck, monster energy folks yeah. and, and all those guys. So, you know, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna get that. And if Jeep isn't careful, if you become too closed off and you become too Mopar focused in your aftermarket and you don't yeah. support the aftermarket, um, I think Jeep needs to be careful about making sure that they give access to CAD drawings early and that they bring in the aftermarket to continue to make. That's a really that good point. These Ford folks aren't stupid. So they realize yeah. that because Wrangler is becoming more insulary and they're so focused on Mopar. Yeah, that's a really good way to say that. That something I hadn't considered before. I believe that Jeep runs the risk if they don't keep themselves open to the aftermarket and communicate well with people in the industry that they're going to miss opportunities that someone like Ford is going to be happy well, to see. Yeah, up. I mean, you know, you can see like you can get rigid lights on a on a Bronco. Yeah. And then Jeep will sell you their more expensive whatever yeah. weird things that don't even look good. I, I have not seen good things come out of Mopar for the most part. Yeah. It's not that they make it's not that they make terrible things. I think they're adequate items. Yeah. But we're seeing they're very used car salesmen like very much so. You know, like oh, what what What's, what's the act Mo, uh, Moss Magnuson or yeah, it's the act that says the earnest is on the manufacturer to prove that this aftermarket accessory really did affect it. Right. You know, and I remember like at the launch of the JL that the, the Mopar guy was there. He's like, Oh, well, these are the only accessories that won't void your warranty. If you put another lift kit, it'll void your warranty. And I'm like, like, really? You're, you're, you're saying that right now? Right. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're being protectionist and you're being very, uh, that's that sums it up. Mopar yeah. is being protectionist yeah. against the aftermarket. That is a bad move. Yeah. There are there are very bright people in the aftermarket that are making very good components for Jeeps and they're getting a little bit exhausted by 
the obstacles that are being placed in their way to making great parts. So Jeep has always had an advantage in in the Mm. space because they're aftermarket. Well, it's it's the number one vehicle for, uh, according to SEMA, for aftermarket spend. Yep. And you don't want that to change. It's part of the reason why Jeeps are so popular is because you can personalize them to your heart's desire. And if you look at what Bronco's doing, they're inviting the aftermarket in. They're saying, I know Jeep is not supporting you. I know that Jeep is trying to sell Chinese knockoff goods through Mopar. Come bring your high quality components to us and put them on our vehicle. Come on, ARB. Let's work together. Yeah. We're going to give you a vehicle to design and develop against ahead of the aftermarket got test vehicles before the media did. Yeah. So that says a lot about their intentions. So I think at the end of the day, this kind of competitive pressure is so good for us as consumers. I think so so too. I mean, it'll be interesting to see also how, you know, how Toyota responds. Um, They've kind of got to be watching this and, and, and looking, you know, they have a loyal following, but. So I have two questions for you. The first question is what model of the 8 billion models of Bronco would you buy? And then the second question is, would you actually buy it? You know, I'd get, I'd, I'd get the Sasquatch, but I, I wouldn't buy one. There, all of the touch points on that vehicle are just too cheap for me. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, you know, like, frankly, when I, when I get something like, I like to get the leather in the car. I like to, uh, I like to get things, you know, I like the tech and I don't trust, you know, like, I think I was telling you that like I had the lane keeping assist on, um, and I was going through a four, a four way intersection and I almost got in an accident because the car just went <laughs> And, and, and almost took me in another thing, quick hands and, and got it out. I, I just, I don't like the Bronco. Like, I don't know what it is. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, empirical in my analysis of it, but. But it, that's different from how you feel. And but, really but this how is just, I personally yeah. feel, I, I feel like um, it's got some great off-road chops. I, I can't get past the accountant cash grab mm. interior and exterior. Like it, it just, it does not feel like a crafted product. I'm not saying that the Wrangler is necessarily like well-crafted either, but they've been doing it for a little bit longer. I, I would not buy one. And to your defense, you recently had a Raptor. I mean, you, yeah. and you loved that car. Love the Raptor. If they would have put, if they would have put the same spend into the interior that they do for a, like all of the F-150s, I mean, the, the interior is frankly not that great on the, the Raptor either. I mean, you know, they'll put a you know, a little red stripe on the steering wheel. But other than that, it's the same vents, it's the same dash, it's yeah. the same everything. Um, I, I, I do like the landscape screen that they're doing in the Bronco, but I would get into it and I would just be like, I bought into hype and an accountant is taking advantage of me. Oh, gotcha. But that's just what I, what I wouldn't be able to get by. That Our test vehicle is $58,000. And yeah. I know that that's competitive with, with a, you know, with a Rubicon and, totally. and stuff like that, but it's not there yet for me, to, to be honest. But it's hard to get into a vehicle that you don't want to drive because it gives you a headache. Yeah, they've got to fix that top. Yeah, like it's, it's bad. Like I took it through a car wash after I took it off road and I'm like, is it going to leak on me? Yeah, it didn't leak. Through the yeah. car wash, which I was happy yeah. with that. But people who did not talk to each other that use the vehicle within our team, they all mentioned the whistling top. Yeah. It's only because I'm half deaf that I didn't know really um, notice it. But but if somebody if somebody like lined me up and said you have to take a, a forerunner or this, I, I would take this. Yeah. Um well the forerunner's what, eight billion years old, right? So Yeah, yeah. It's just not competitive. Right. Um you know, I, I would be interested in the, uh, I don't know, Warthog or whatever they're going to call the Raptor version of it if they put some bucks in the interior. Because mm-hmm. it's like a diminishing return for me. It's like at 58 grand, I don't care about the performance of whatever 
I would, I would like seats that don't feel like a hospital incontinence pad. What about you? I think that sums it up nicely. Your thoughts. Yeah. I, I would get probably similar packaging to what the test vehicle was. Yeah. I would probably get a different color, but, and I would definitely get the manual transmission because that would just be so Charm. joyful. I appreciated the vehicle so much for what it was, but I could not find myself at the end of it saying this is something that I would buy. Yeah. And I think that it is because I can get a Gladiator with a diesel. Do you remember when when or a uh, ZR2 when Microsoft diesel? came out with their iPod competitor and it had like all these crazy yeah. whatever features, but you wanted an iPod? Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think that the best product for overlanding that Ford makes today is the Tremor. The thing 100%. is, the thing is the, for, the for, unloaded ride for, quality. For basically the same price, you can get a Tremor. Yeah. So there's the argument of value is that you can get that, you know, that their, their big V8, the, the Godzilla seven, yeah. three yep. in a tremor, you know, if you, cause at 58, you're not getting leather cloth right. seats or whatever. You're at an XLT yep. package. Anyways, they're going to be nearly the same price. You're getting a much better interior for overlanding. I think that's a better choice. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's just my overall feeling is like you're offering less when you're offering more at similar price points yeah. because you can, right. You know, and maybe that's the case or maybe it is just, maybe it isn't, maybe it's just price pressures to make the vehicle perform so well and have such a great drivetrain. Yeah. Maybe they have to make compromises. That's probably what they would tell. But I'm not a Mustang guy either. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, like, but it, it is, it is so fun to see that it's here. It is literally, so happy one of, it it's exists. one of the most charming vehicles I've driven in a very yeah. long time. People love it. I just found that I could not make the connection to it, to me personally. It didn't have much character. Well, I thought it had tons of character, but yeah. it didn't have much connection to me. Yeah. Like, like the motor just sound kind of sounded kind of like, not that the three, six Pentastar is anything. No, it sounds terrible. Too, yeah. But yeah, I'm just going to stop there. That two seven, it rips. It's, it, it's it, fun. It, it, it boogies. It's totally um, fun. So on the Bronco, it drives great. Drivetrain's great. There are a lot of compromises around fit, finish, and material quality. If you're interested in the very best Ford Overland vehicle right now, go check out the Tremor. That's my opinion. <laughs> 100%. Or a Raptor because they yeah. are oh, yeah. phenomenal. I, yeah, I, yeah. I've never I, been. I miss uh, my Raptor. I mean, even oh. with the TRX, I'm like, how is that possible with the TRX? Well, the TRX is a better road car. The Raptor is better if you're going to modify it to go off-road. Okay. All right. Just That's interesting. Thought. We'll have yeah. to have a conversation about that later. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and we will talk to you next time.